The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you ever stopped to think that the best and worst place to live is in your mind? Think about it. We can create our own destiny or our own downfall. It all has to do with the way that we choose to think and see things. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, with your host, Dr. Paula Joyce. Dr. Paula is here with her guest experts to show you just how to change that negative way of thinking and see your world in a positive light. Now, here is Dr. Paula. Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and I'm grateful you're joining me today. I want to begin by reminding you that you are all part of a global community with fellow listeners in literally every corner of the world. I am grateful for each and every one of you. Today, I want to celebrate with you that we are currently in the top 10 most listened to on-demand radio shows on the 7th Wave channel. That's because of you. And in addition, we have just increased the reach of our listenership from 97 regions to 101 regions around the world. You are literally listening from every corner of the world. That's because you are spreading the word. Thank you for listening and for continuing to tell your friends, relatives, and colleagues. And a special note of gratitude goes this week to our listeners in Cambodia, Vietnam, and Panama, and in the states of Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Tennessee. Welcome, and thank you for your continuing support. Last week, we had a great conversation with Cheryl Baird, manager of the Silver Pyramid in Dallas, Texas. She always provides meaningful and useful information on a personal and professional level. Our conversation included using insight to help you develop your, I'm sorry, insight cards to help you develop your intuition and to help you see what you may not be willing to consciously admit to yourself, including difficult issues like an abusive spouse. Answers are there when you know where to look. If you missed last week's show or any of our previous ones, you can easily listen on demand by going to my website, paulajoyce.com, and clicking at the top of the navigation where it says radio show. And I'm glad you're with us today to hear our returning guest, Dr. Bernie Siegel, who will be joining us for his fourth appearance. His knowledge and wisdom goes way beyond most people in his field. He was one of the first, if not the first, to push for doctors to actually listen to their pa- patients. What a phenomenon! 
and treat them as human beings, not as body parts or diseases. He helped me get my radio show started by being one of my very first guests. Since then, he has become a favorite with my listeners. He is always interesting to listen to and informative, helping us stretch from being satisfied with the way things are to seeing how they could be. Now, at the end of the show, when we are off the air, he tells me what he wants to talk about the next time, and I'm always happy to provide an opportunity for him to share his deep understandings. He enriches my life, as I know he does yours, too. Choosing to be positive, choosing to think, see, feel, and act in new and healthier ways is the heart of Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. We all have choices, but we can't make the best choices for ourselves if we don't know what the options are. This show provides you with new information on health and healing with an emphasis on spirituality and the connection between our thoughts, emotions, and physical and mental health. We can all choose happiness, gratitude, and positivity as we allow ourselves to know the truth of our own experiences and feel the pain of our past or present life. We open ourselves up to the joy of being fully alive in every moment. We change the energy in our body and literally become younger, feel lighter, and have more energy. We truly know and feel the joy, beauty, and love in our lives. My show helps you do that by providing you with new information, perspectives, and techniques inspirational stories and guests who are thought leaders in their field like Dr. Bernie Siegel. If you have a question about figuring out how to find the silver lining in a difficult situation or how to rid yourself of persistent negative thoughts or have a personal story to share, Please call during the show to 1-866-472-5795 or email now or between shows to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. And the phone number to call between shows is 1-214-736-4460. And be sure to grab a pencil and paper now because you're going to need it later in the show to answer the question of the day. Last year, I challenged you to decide which deck of cards you want to purchase to begin your journey into growing your own intuition. There are also many decks that you can use online free of charge. I hope you will play around and find what appeals to you. 27 years ago, when I began learning from Bernie's books, audio programs, and workshops, I came across his idea of being my own advocate where my health was concerned. In our society, we tend to put doctors on a pedestal and think of them as having the final word on what we should and shouldn't do in regards to our own health. I have discovered that the more I take charge of my own health choices, the healthier I become. Doctors tend to see things from a limited perspective. 
and with their limited training. One doctor friend told me that medicine is more an art than it is a science. It's rare to hear a medical doctor say that, but it is the truth. The best doctors use a lot of intuition to diagnose and treat illness, and they are willing to listen to their patients as well. One friend told me how when her young child was in the hospital, he almost died because she couldn't get anyone to listen to her. The doctor had just been in the room to do his post-operative check. After he left, the mother noticed that her son had stopped breathing. She ran after the doctor, who totally dismissed her as a nervous mother. She finally found a nurse who would listen to her. The story fortunately had a happy ending, but only after a lot of chaos, fear, and panic because the doctor was so sure that he knew better than anyone else what was happening. I remember when my mother was sick and she wouldn't even ask the doctor questions. I had to bring her to Dallas and get a team of specialists to pull together, run tests, talk to each other, and finally, thank God, figure out a course of treatment that I'm certain prolonged her life. They diagnosed a blood clotting disease that was not curable, but it was treatable. She lived for a number of years after that with more ease. I promised I would give you feedback about the 21 Steps for Healing Your Body workshop. I have noticed that with myself, negative thoughts are releasing in layers. I can feel some recurring thoughts getting lighter and less intense. It's almost as if they become more distant and softer until they are gone completely. As each layer releases, I can see and feel my shoulder and back moving into healthier and healthier alignment. At the same time, the wrinkles in my neck and face are decreasing as are my brown spots, which a lot of people call age spots, or wisdom spots if you're thinking positively. I'm experiencing the truth and proof of what the angels have told me, and that is that our thoughts influence our body. As we change our thoughts, we change our body. I like changing everything for the better. And that's the goal of the next workshop that I will be conducting called the Ohm Awakening. I'm the first teacher initiate and I am grateful to be chosen to offer this workshop to you. Ohm is the sound of creation. It vibrates at the highest levels. The process will bring you in alignment with the positive, loving, and enlightening vibration of the universe. Benefits include opening new channels within your body, connecting you with the divine energy, raising your vibration, increasing your awareness of the divine, healing your body, helping you see through the eyes of your limitless higher self, releasing fears, bringing more light, love, health, and usefulness into your body. We'll be at the Dallas Meditation Center on Saturday, June 6th, 2 to 3.30 at the low cost of $35. And now I'd like to introduce our guest, Dr. Bernie Siegel. He was my third guest at the very beginning of this show and has graciously agreed to return 
for the fourth time to talk this time about his experiences as a doctor and his beliefs about a healthy patient-doctor relationship. Bernie is willing to talk about things that few physicians are. He retired from general and pediatric surgical practice in 1989 to dedicate himself to humanizing the medical establishment's approach to patients and empowering patients to induce their own healing and be their own health advocate. He founded Exceptional Cancer Patients to facilitate self-healing. It isn't surprising that he was named one of the top 20 spiritually influential living people. Bernie's best-selling books include Peace, Love, and Healing and 365 Prescriptions for the Soul. He's a sought-after speaker on patient and caregiver issues and author of the new book, The Art of Healing. He can be reached at BernieSiegelMD.com. You're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. During our break, go to PaulaJoyce.com. Click on Register Now to read about and register for my OM Awakening Workshop. Then click on Calendar Events to see your question for today. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Dr. Bernie Siegel to learn more about what it truly means to be a good patient. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Time for a fresh perspective from leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission. Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, 
the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I hope that you thought about ways that you could be more active in communicating with your doctor and taking charge of your own health. We're here with Dr. Bernie Siegel, and I'm so pleased. This is the fourth time he's been on our show, and every time it's so wonderful. He's here to talk with us about this very topic. Welcome, Bernie. How It's Hi. so good to have you. <laughs> Thank you, Paula. Good to hear your voice again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, that just uplifted my day. So you said um, while we were talking before um, I brought you on that your brain was already working. So I want to hear, and I know our listeners do, the wisdom and, and great knowledge that you have to share with us. Well, you know, one of the things that I finally see happening in medicine, and it always takes 20 to 30 years after I, you know, try to bring something up that the change starts happening. It's it's just sad. But when I left medical school uh, and my surgical training, I wrote back to the deans in the medical school, and every time there was a new dean, I wrote, I sent the same letter back saying that you trained me as a you know, wonderful technician, but I do not know how to take care of people, and I don't know how to take care of myself. Now, let me say that that was coming from a place because I cared about people. I didn't become a doctor because I was fascinated by the human body, see? Or as my veterinarian friend said, hey, Bernie, people bring the pets in. You know, when I really was going to quit medicine because of the pain and the emotional issues that I wasn't trained to deal with. I thought it would be easier if I took care of cats and dogs and, you know, creatures. But again, he reminded me of the people. And so I would write to all the deans saying, you didn't train me to take care of people. It took 50 years to get an answer to that letter. Wow. You know, and I wasn't looking for, oh, this is a wonderful idea. We'll change the medical school. I was just looking for, thank you, we received your letter. You know, to know that somebody picked it up and read it instead of throwing it in the wastebasket because, oh, there's a, you know, a grouch. He doesn't like them. But when you ask medical students, as I've done, draw yourself working as a doctor. Think what that picture means to you. Draw yourself working as a doctor. About 90% of the class drew pictures that had no people in them except themselves. So you're sitting behind a desk with your diploma on the wall. That's what being a doctor means. One student, and I always show this when I lecture, showed himself kneeling in front of a wheelchair, handing a woman a tissue with his arm around her. See, not putting his stethoscope on her chest, but handing her a tissue. My father-in-law was quadriplegic due to a fall. He said to the nurses, my forehead itches. Oh, okay. you know, what's their response? No, it's not to scratch his forehead. It was to get him a pill to treat itching. Oh. So he'd, he'd fall asleep, and then I'd complain. I said, you know, he might as well be dead. He can't move, and he's not awake. What's the point of, you know, and they got mad at me uh, and wrote in his chart, son-in-law causing a problem, which I got a kick out of. See, they didn't acknowledge that I'm a doctor, but I'm a son-in-law making a problem. But I did it so that my father-in-law 
wasn't mistreated. Because he said to me, if I complain, meaning himself, if he complained, they could get even with him in the middle of the night when he had a problem and not respond to him. So I became his voice. Then they got mad at me and not him. And that's, I mean, another thing that I often say is, I don't think anybody should graduate from medical school or for that matter, nursing school, without being a patient for a week. When I spent a week in the hospital due to severe infection, um, I was very fatigued, uh, and so was my wife, because she had five kids in seven years, and we were both exhausted and both got sick, and it taught me something about my patients, to ask them what was going on in their life. But I learned a lot about being a patient, and I was a much better doctor after a week in the hospital. And I think everybody should experience that because many famous paintings, they're hanging in the room I'm sitting in right now. One is called The Doctor. The other is called The Consultation. And the one called The Doctor is a true painting by Sir Luke Fildes. His child died on Christmas Day many years ago. This painting hangs in London. And in the scene, you see the parents behind a desk with the mother bent over crying the doctor sitting next to the child, like on a sofa, the child is lying there, limp, and the doctor's chin is in his hand. He's thinking. Okay? Mm -hmm. And in the consultation, you have a nurse, Christ-like figure, and a doctor. Who's touching the patient? Who's reaching for the patient? Christ and the nurse. Who's got his chin in his hand? The doctor. You know, and there are children, and I mean this, infants, premature infants who came back to life when they handed the baby to the mother and said, your child is dying, there's no point in keeping it in isolation in the intensive care unit. If you want to hold your child, go ahead. The kid was put against the bare breast by the mother, and it started suckling and came back to life. Now, think about what might have happened you know, to the people in these paintings, if somebody had picked them up and touched them and loved them and massaged them. Because we know from studies, literally, you massage a newborn infant, it gains weight faster and its brain develops faster. But you see, again, what it, doctors, this sentence says it all, doctors are trained to treat the result and not the cause. This was an ad from Sandoz Pharmaceutical Company years ago, and I wrote to them because it bothered me. And it was in a major medical journal. They don't question it either, see? The England Journal of Medicine. I'm depressed, unable to cope. I went to see my physician. He prescribed an antidepressant. I feel better now. I thought, hey, doesn't the doctor say, why are you depressed? What's wrong? What's happening in your life? So I wrote them. I said, do me a favor. Slip another line in there that says, sit down. Tell me what's bothering you. What's troubling you? And they canceled the ad. Now, again, you know, because I said, hey, if I've had a major disaster in my family, if somebody was killed in an accident and I'm depressed, the doctor doesn't even ask me, just says, here's a bill, goodbye. But that's, again, how we're trained. You know, we don't say to people, what's going on in your life? We say, what's your chief complaint? That's called the present illness in your history. What's your chief complaint? Um, you say, I have a headache. Say, okay, here's what I give you for a headache. But I would say to people, and this is, 
I always say, I don't make up any story that I am telling. Okay, these are people I've cared for or know about. Um, I was at visiting a doctor friend who's a neurologist, and you can tell I don't stop talking. So the nurse came in and said, Bernie, keep your voice down. There's a lady in the next room with a severe headache for two weeks, migraine, and we're waiting for transportation to take her to the hospital. Somebody's coming to pick her up. So I got up after a few minutes, and I went in there. And I thought, maybe I can help her relax, meditate, do something to help the pain. And I said to her, what does it feel like? Oh, it's pressure, terrible pressure. So I talked to her about pressure in her life and relieving the pressure and so forth. I didn't make it more personal. See, if you were my patient, I would have said, what else in your life fits that word pressure? Because then it gets people to focus on what else is contributing to their illness and problem. But anyway, I spent a few minutes with her relieving pressure. Then I went out and sat down again, my doctor friend, and the nurse came in 15 minutes later and said, it's her marriage. The headache is gone. She's going home. Right. Now, those are the kinds of things I've seen over and over again. What's it like to have cancer? Failure. How does failure fit your life? Well, my body failed. I said, excuse me, I'm asking about your life. Oh, my parents committed suicide when I was a child. I must have been a failure as a child. Now, there are a lot of times when I do that with people, they look at me and their eyes bulge and they say, thank you. They don't even, you know, stop to explain it. But it has hit home for them. Thank you. Well, my own personal example, on and off for many years, I've had vertigo. You know, the room kind of spins around thing. And one morning I got up and there it was again. So I said to myself, hey, be one of your patients. Ask yourself, (laughs) what is it like? And I said, the world is spinning around. And that hit home for me. It said, yeah, you're doing too damn much. You're going everywhere. You got to slow down. And I thought, how clever my body is. How do you keep me in bed? You get dizzy. You can't get up. And... You know, so your body is not a dumbbell, if you know what I mean. It, it it stores up your life, your memories, a whole host of things. And if you're not paying attention to your life, uh, as psychologist Alice Miller said, someday the body will present its bill. So we need to go within ourselves and look at that. And as I say, the, the other part is that doctors, I, call, I say that we're like tourists, not natives. We don't understand the experience of illness. You know, you're not getting lectures in medical school from people who are sick who will talk to you about it and tell you how you can help them. But over and over again, uh, when do- you know, when you get some compassionate doctors uh, and they act that way, yeah, they they receive a gift from the patients. They say, thank you. You're a wonderful doctor. And it could be just being careful, drawing blood, or, you know, some simple thing that you show you care about them. Now, let me talk about the 20, 30 years. In the 1990s, in the American College of Surgeons Bulletin, um, it said, there was like a letter to the editor, is it policy of the American College of Surgeons to talk to families after you operate on a family member? Now, when I read that, I thought, what is this doctor, an idiot? 
I mean, how can you operate on somebody and not even think about talking to their family? I mean, it's obvious nobody in his family's ever had an operation. Um, and so I wrote to them. I said, you know, look at what you're teaching people, that your pledge says I will deal with my patients as I would wish to be dealt with. I said, why don't you change it to I will care for my patients as I would wish to be cared for. I said, if I buy a car, I expect to make a deal, but not with a doctor. And after some struggles, they let me write an article and considerable editing, <laughs> you know, to, to, to tone it down. Tone it down, the, right. <laughs> yeah, but the title was Surgery, Mechanical or Healing Art. And I discussed, you know, doctor-patient relationship, a whole host of things. Now, we're talking 25 years later. I am so happy to see these are titles of articles in the American College Bulletin that never appeared before. Managing burnout, seek outside help, foster a true work-life balance. You know, to get doctors to understand that, and then a whole host of physicians write about it. Um, and then this I thought was very interesting. The American College of Surgeons motto, what does it really mean? Because I think it's, in, it's either Greek or Latin, but... Um, and the doctor writing the article, uh, you know, was saying that when you translated it in, you might say, a mechanical way, um, it, it, it doesn't, you know, have that kind of meaning. Um, but he said, we are physicians first and specialists second, you know, about caring for people. And he, he reinterpreted the same words to say in purity and holiness, I will guard my life and my art. He said here, the oath emphasizes the high calling of the healing art. Okay? And it's not just the mechanical aspect, but the healing art. And when I started doing a lot of teaching about healing and lots of medical students came uh, to work with me, I got a call from the dean's office because first I had said I wanted to become a course because a lot of students were coming and they could register. And they gave me hundreds of pages to fill out, so I said, forget it. Um, and so when the students were coming, I got a call saying, why are all these students coming? I said, I explained to you. They want to spend time with me. Oh, we'll make you a course. I didn't have to fill out one piece of paper. Um, I thought that was kind of egotistical. Suddenly, if I'm, you know, well-known, that they want to take some of the credit to. So I wrote up the description of the course, which included drawings and dreams and Carl Jung and a whole host of things besides the mechanical things. Um, how you talk to patients under anesthesia, music in the operating room, working with drawings of, you know, patient drawing, a picture of their treatment and a whole host of things. And I got a call from the chief of surgery. Ernie, what? We don't know what to do with you. So I sent your course to psychiatry to be listed there. Psychiatrist said, they don't want you. You're a surgeon. <laughs> I burst out laughing. I said, good. I was trying to cause trouble. Because <laughs> I said, I, I wrote it up, you know, in a more psychiatric way, so to speak, because I wanted to get people to think and react to it. I said, you can edit it, do whatever you want with the description. That's not my problem. But it was, again, opening people's minds. When I started doing my work as a surgeon, 
Medical journals refuse to publish my articles. Quote, it's appropriate. I mean, excuse me. It's interesting, but not appropriate. Say, for our journal. And those are the surgical journals and others. I send it to psychology and psychiatry journals thinking, well, at least let's get it published. It came back again, refusal to publish. Why? Because it's not interesting. It's appropriate, but it's not interesting. And I'd say that's the problem with medicine. What I describe it to is if a doctor sees your body the way uh, a repair person sees your house, say, the electrician comes in. You don't say to the electrician, you know, my sink is a problem. Well, I'm an electrician. I don't fix sinks. And doctors are getting that way. You see, you go in. I have a heart problem. Okay, I'll talk to you, you know, about your heart. Um, but you mind if I tell you about my life, my family, uh, what happened at my job? No, that's not my thing. I'm giving you medicine for your heart. But you can't separate all those things in the human body. Your I mind, agree. you know, creates internal chemistry. Oh, and a recent study. I, I, I'm going to stop you for a all second right. and ask you to um, give us the study after the break. Okay. I agree with you what you're saying wholeheartedly, and I'm so grateful. And I just want to say that I think the reason that you're 20 to 30 years ahead is because you see what others don't see. And so I hope you continue to be a troublemaker. So we're we're about to go to our break. And I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. And you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Before we go to break, I promised I'd tell you what to do with our new feature. While you're listening to the commercials, go to the list that you created and Now on that same paper, prioritize your list, putting first those things that you will commit to doing. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with our fascinating guest, Dr. Bernie Siegel. the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Time for a fresh perspective from leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission. Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. are listening to uplift your life nourishment of the spirit with dr paula joyce to reach the show today please call 
472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. Welcome back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I hope that you've made a commitment to be more active in your own health care and in your relationship with your doctor. Right now, I'm so pleased to be talking with Bernie Siegel, who was about to tell us about a study. So please continue, Bernie. All right. You know, you know, let me reflect back, as I said, on the motto that this doctor said also, because the version that they were using was to serve all with skill and fidelity. You know, as I was saying, like dealing with, but his version is to heal all with skill and trust. Now, what happens when you help people heal this new study that came out? Um, people were put into three groups. One group received six hours of lectures. The second group received, I think it was three hours or so of lectures, and then three months of meetings where they learned to meditate, um, you know, interacted lifestyle changes and things of that sort. So they worked on themselves as a person for three months. The last group had the lectures, and then six months of meetings. Now, what these people were studying to begin with was, or is called, a telomere, T-E-L-O-M-E-R-E. They're at the end of chromosomes. And as we age, they have noticed telomere shortens, not just us, but all creatures. And what they were studying were the telomeres related to the meditation and the group meetings and so forth. And they found that the first group, which just received lectures, their telomeres were significantly shortened at the end of the, I think it was a six-month period. The second group, which met for three months, had it shorter, but not as short as the first group. And the third group, which kept meeting for six months, they had actually lengthened. So in a sense, they had become younger Uh, as crazy as that may sound, um, and it showed the benefits of all of these uh, studies um, and what we need to understand. You know, that I've been meeting in a group for 30 years. I know it's had a benefit for me and meditating with people and everything else. So, It was thrilling for me to see that here is somebody you see, again, 20 years later, measuring all this and showing that, yes, you're making a difference. Because often doctors would say to me, oh, you know, you're blaming your patients if you're asking them what's going on in their life. And, uh, you know, why should it make a difference just to join a group? The first studies that came out were not by me because nobody would fund studies saying that, you know, survival, telomere length, all these things uh, could relate to group meetings, you know, and lifestyle changes. They all said, that's nuts. How can I have a meeting? 
And when there were doctors who were mad at me for saying it, and they said, okay, we're going to do a study to prove you wrong, and it came out I was right, that's when it had a greater impact. <laughs> because if I had, and, and these things have happened, where other people have done the studies for me, you know, uh, graduate students and others, and can you imagine a professor saying to a graduate student at Yale University, those results can't be true? Because he showed the benefits of women with breast cancer in our support groups and their survival statistics. And his professor said, it can't be true. Change the control group. Wow. So everything came out even, see? Then I got criticized. See, it doesn't make a difference. Nobody knows what went on behind the scene except me and the student. Because he couldn't publicly state, my professor told me it can't be true. I mean, he should have gone to the dean and said, you know, look what I'm told after I do my study. Um, but, see, those are things. If people don't have an open mind, I say, I live by my experience. If I experience something, I believe it, even if I can't explain it. And I don't care whether it's acupuncture or meditation or whatever. But if something works, then let's use it. Let's teach it to other patients. I call it survivor behavior. See, again, the psychologists and psychiatrists understood this. You learn you have a few months to live, you go see a psychiatrist. You get your life in order. And then at the end of a couple of months, you know, you're feeling a hell of a lot better now that you've had therapy, and you don't feel like dying. And you go on living. Even the best hospices. How do I judge them? You have dropouts or graduations. And what did the good ones say? Yes. Because they help people with compassion, get their lives in order, relate to children they may never have talked to for 10 years, and then suddenly it's, I feel better. You mind if I go home for a while? So all these things play a role. You know, like Monday morning. Everybody knows that. More heart attacks, strokes, suicides, and illnesses on Monday morning. Now, would the health improve if we canceled Monday? No. It's people's attitude towards their work and their life. And so, again, those are all part of survivor behavior. You know, you're having meaning in your life, expressing feelings, expressing anger appropriately, you know, not being treated uh, like what I call a submissive sufferer. If you're a good patient, it's dangerous. And I mean that. Medical errors kill hundreds of thousands of people. So you don't want to be room 204 or the breast cancer. You want to be, you know, that screwball, say, or grandma or, you know, that nutty lady. Um, because then everybody knows you as a person and you don't get the wrong treatment. And I'd say if you ever go to the hospital, uh, there are a lot of things you can take with you. Maybe I should tell you what I call Siegel's kit. Because, again, people have experienced this and taught me. You're a teenager dying in the hospital. You want to be alone with your girlfriend and your parents. And people keep barging in, take your temperature, empty the wastebasket, you know, things that aren't about your health. And he had a high-powered water gun, and he would drench them <laughs> if he shut the door and they came in. And so I always say, take a vital sign, put it on your door, the meditating you know, talking with family, don't disturb. And if people came in, you have your water gun and you squirt them. <laughs> and it, it became, just as you're laughing, the nurses appreciated it. When the boy died, the mother gave them his water gun to give to other children and empower them. See? 
Mm-hmm. Because when you walk up to a kid and say, here, giving you a water gun, anybody hurts you, squirt them. You let people do a lot more things to you, <laughs> knowing if they hurt you, you can squirt them. Um, <laughs> so it's a noisemaker, too. Now, you say, why do you want a noisemaker? I know people who would be dead today if they didn't have roommates. Why? Uh, one woman I remember talking to was choking on food she was eating. And she said, I pushed the call button, nobody came. She said, if I didn't have a roommate, I'd be dead today. Um, and so make sure you have a noisemaker so you attract attention if you really need it. Um, I forgot what the other thing was. There were several things, but, uh, oh, I know, magic, a magic marker. If you go into the operating room, write a note on your body. I cut here. And on the other side, not this one, stupid. Now, <laughs> people have done that, okay? Again, I don't make this up. I, I always remember undraping a lady about to operate on her abdomen, and she had written across her pubic hair, don't mow the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> and you see, you're laughing, I'm laughing. Then she becomes a person. Um, and, and everybody becomes like family, taking care of her, and it's a different environment. And the humor does, plays a vital role. There was one woman who was in a great panic, and I was afraid to bring her into the operating room. I spent almost an hour trying to calm her down in the hallway of the operating room. But I knew I'm not getting anywhere. And I was afraid because I thought if she's this anxious, she may you know, have a heart arrhythmia or something happen. But anyway, we finally had to get going. So I wheel her in, and she looked around and said, with his fear in her eye, thank God, all these wonderful people are going to take care of me. And I thought, what good is that going to do if I agree with her? It's all out of a panic. So I said to her loud enough for everybody in the room to hear, I know these people, I've worked with them for years, they're not wonderful people. And she looked at me like, oh my God, you know, I thought she was going to run down the hall for a minute. Then, of course, she burst out laughing because everybody in the room was laughing. They know Siegel, he's a character. And you see, in that laughter, we all became what I call family. She wasn't afraid of anything anymore. And uh, I may add one other fear story. I was taking care of a 90 And then we have to wrap up as much as I hate to say that. A quickie. 90-year-old that I was taking care of for gallstones and then cancer, and she was mad at God for waiting until she was 90. But she was such... She'd been through so much in her life, I asked her to come and become a natural therapist at our support group. And when everybody was dealing with fear, I turned to her and I said, what are you afraid of? Because I didn't know what to say to people. And she sat there for about three minutes, five minutes. And finally, she said, I know what it is, driving on the parkway at night. And then the whole room full of cancer patients is laughing because of that crazy statement, but which is so true. Exactly. And they say laughter is the best medicine, right. as as are you. Thank you so much. Um, I, I truly appreciate it. And I just want you to know that even if deans didn't hear you 20 and 30 years ago, a lot of us did because because of you that many years ago, I became my own advocate with doctors. So you didn't totally fall on deaf ears, and I want to thank you 
truly for all that you have done and continue to do. Keep making noise. <laughs> I will. You've become a life coach, which you have listed. I love that word. I tell people, look for life coaches and become a love warrior, that love is your weapon. Thank you. And I end every show with remember you are love because of you. So um, you, you have influenced me tremendously and others. So thank, thank you so you. much. Wishing you a beautiful day. Thank you, Bernie. Thanks, Paula. Having Bernie on the air is always such a treat. And I just wanted to pick up on a couple of things that he said. He talked a lot about personalizing the relationship between the doctor and the patient. I think in in reading about this and in uh, talking with people about it, I believe that doctors protect themselves from developing that personal relationship it protects them when the person doesn't get better or when the person has a, a terminal diagnosis and the doctor doesn't believe that there's a way that the patient is going to survive it. If you're dealing with that on an ongoing basis and you don't have a, an awareness of how to deal with your own feelings and grief, then what people do is they block the feelings and then they that influences the relationship with the patient in a negative way and it influences the doctor in a negative way as well. But it's an example of what happens when people don't know how to manage their feelings, which we talk a lot about on this show. If someone is dying, how do you help them transition? How do you help them deal with that loss? I remember when my father was dying, no one would allow us to talk with him about the process of his dying. We were pretending, we were told that we had to pretend that he was going to leave the hospital, and we all knew that he wasn't. And so when we're not able to deal with the reality of the situation because of doctors' own fears about their mortality or about their humanness, that they can't make somebody well, that they can't necessarily cure somebody, but we can all participate in helping people heal. And there's a difference between cure and healing. Healing means taking one's experience, using it to learn, to grow, to find the blessings, to mend relationships, to make peace with oneself, with one's life, or to change it if that's possible. And, and even at the end of life, it's always possible to change. I remember Bernie saying in one of his books, it isn't over until your last breath. The possibility to heal, to change is always there. Cure is not always possible. And I think part of it for doctors is learning to look at their profession, their job, their purpose as not only 
curing, but also helping to heal. And if they broaden their view of what they're about, then they don't have to take on the guilt, the shame, the responsibility, the feeling of failure if somebody doesn't walk out of the hospital. It's looking at things from a different perspective. And then it's not only the domain of psychiatrists to talk about feelings and to talk about someone's life, but for every doctor to establish that human connection with their patients and to talk with them and to allow them to feel the fullness of being alive and of being heard and of um, the possibility of letting go of feelings that have haunted them for years. I often have clients say to me, I never told anyone that before. People don't feel safe saying the things that are most important to them. How do we create an environment for everybody to feel safe in our presence, to be able to say what they need to say, to be able to let go of the pain in their own lives. And for us to not, as individuals, as healthcare workers, not to take on the responsibility, but to just even just be a listener. What a profound difference that would make in doctor-patient relationships. I'm so grateful for Bernie being on the show and for you, my listeners. Thank you for joining us for Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you enjoyed today's show, please like us on Facebook by going to my website, paulajoyce.com. While you're there, sign up for my newsletter and get the free chapter on my ultimate creative problem-solving process from my best-selling book, Nothing But Net. Browse my resources page to purchase the books by my guests, including Bernie, and the ones that I have written, and also learn about my services, including coaching, speaking, energy healing, past life regressions, or to sponsor one of my experiential workshops, such as Overcoming Abuse Through Self-Empowerment, 21 Steps for Healing the Body, Energetic Healing, and the Ultimate Creative problem-solving process. And if you mention this show, you get a 10% new client discount on my coaching, which I do in person over Skype or on the phone. When you work with me, you get support, guidance, and healing from the spiritual realm. Literally thousands of angels and guides of a high and positive spiritual nature work through me and also directly with my clients. While you're on my website, go to register now and register for my new workshop, OM Awakening. Then go to the calendar of events and press click here to send me an email with your commitment to yourself. As you begin to experience success, please send me another email so I can read it on the air and we can celebrate together.
Those of you who live in Dallas and want to experience my ultimate creative problem-solving process at the low price of $20, just join my meetup group by clicking on the icon on my website homepage. We meet the first Wednesday of each month. And next Thursday, please join us when Bela Ross will be here to talk about healing from trauma passed down to us from our parents and grandparents. This is Dr. Paula, your CM or chosen mom as designated by Bernie Siegel. Remember, you are loved. Just let that feeling wash over you and through you. Have a blessed week. Thank you for tuning in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Please join Dr. Paula Joyce and her guest experts next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until then, have a positive week.